The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I'm ready. It's a dangerous love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me now. Only thing that's on my mind is to go on this town tonight. Welcome to Cormie Lasseter Sports Talk Radio. Tuesday morning, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. We have a lot to uh, talk about today. We're going to try and power through as much as we possibly can in the 48 minutes that are allotted to us. Dee, we've got to work on another hour. Um, first, we've got to talk about steroids. Uh, uh, new allegations coming out for Albert Pujols, which has piqued my interest regardless of if the source is credible or not. It's now something to talk about due to the PED world that we live in now. Uh, Johnny Menzel signing more pieces of paper with his name on it that might cause him to lose some play time. Um, yeah, and Jason Duffner winning the PGA Championship, good for him. That's It It kind of puts an interesting spin on golf as a whole as we know it uh, in the time frame that we're watching it now. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was really good. I watched that whole uh, final round on Sunday, and a lot of things transpired that are kind of showing new trends that we are seeing in golf that maybe we hadn't, maybe we didn't see during the Tiger dominant years of years past, which obviously is not the case now. Maybe a little preview into the NFL season. I watched a little football on Friday. I was in Saturday. I was pretty excited about that. Did did you get to watch any? Yeah, Ever? I did watch a little bit of it and watch some of it uh, on the, the replays and that as well. So it's interesting uh, because now we've got new coaches in new places and we've got new players in new places and we've got injuries happening. So this is always a interesting time of year as guys are trying to make it uh, out of the 93 and, or out of the 90 into the 53. Yeah. So and you know what? I, uh, I see glimmers of Arizona Cardinal football that I have not seen since I've moved here at least and that I haven't seen maybe since the Kurt Warner years, which, which is really interesting and uh, it's – they might be a young, exciting team that could, in theory, rival the 49ers and the Seahawks this year if they can stay healthy. You know, let's start with them because we haven't really had any sort of real exciting news to talk about with the Cardinals. But with Patrick Peterson uh, cementing himself as one of the best second, uh, one of the best DBs in the NFL, slowly but sh- slowly but surely, one of the best return men as he showed his rookie year. Kind of had a sophomore slump in that regard last year, but. You know, they're, they're going to try and move him to the other side of the ball now. Now, in the history of this, take maybe Deion Sanders away from it because he wasn't a very electric uh, offensive player. You know, he returned punts. He was uh, arguably one of the best uh, lockdown uh, DBs of all time. He did play baseball. He did a lot of things that Patrick Peterson is not doing. However, my question is, will it shorten a stud DB's career if he gets moved over and, and gets snaps on the other side of the ball as well, instead of just focusing on locking down wide receivers and returning punts. Like, will that, could that potentially, the Devin Hester effect, could that potentially come into play where Devin Hester could have, in theory, been the best kick returner of all time with, with the first few years of production that he had, but then they moved him uh, to, to the offensive side of the ball, and he's kind of been... Uh, 
non-existent since then, especially after getting paid. Well, and that's up to the player. I mean, the reality is there's players that get moved around at various times. Guys go from the right side of the ball to the left side of the ball, and it can really, really mess them up because they're so used to the habitual way that they play and have been taught to play. And now when you move to a different position, um, depends on whether the player is going to be able to resolve that in their own mind and then be able to step up and play in that position the way that they have the skills and the knowledge and the capability to do it's whether they're going to emotionally buy into it and then be able to show that out on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And the the football IQ that these kids bring in coming right out of college and you you could tell last year with with a plethora of quarterbacks that that played like veterans last year and some of them getting their teams in the playoffs and others not, but you can say the same for maybe defensive players especially with Patrick Peterson in this regard that Maybe he has the IQ to be able to save energy, burn energy where he's supposed to, and do things that other defensive backs might not have been able to do in recent history or even in even in the deep past of the 70s and 80s. So it'll be interesting to see the how everything transpires with him maybe being the new slash of everything, not playing quarterback, but offense, defense, returning kicks. If he has the ability to not get hurt, Right and to perform at a high level on both sides of the ball, we could see something. We could be witnessing in our own backyard of Phoenix, one of the best players in the NFL. Yeah, he could turn some some power and creativity into this and really break it out and be a unique player in this position. Absolutely. So you have him. Teron Matthew had a great first game. He, uh, you know, he, he did what everybody thought he possibly could do if he came out the year after he finished playing. Let me rephrase that. If the weed thing didn't come into play and he played last year and came out, he would have been a first-round pick and Arizona probably wouldn't have gotten him. But he's still that electric X factor that we saw. He had a sack. He's still fast as hell on the field. With them two in the backfield, those two LSU kids that, that played together at LSU, we could be seeing one of the best tandems in the league in, in, the, in the secondary and to go along with the offensive line that's improved with Levi Brown coming back healthy right. and Jonathan Cooper having a pretty good first game as a Cardinal, you have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball downfield. You still have Larry Fitzgerald, who's a top-10 receiver, who's been forgotten in the NFL because he hasn't had a quarterback to throw in the ball since Kurt Warner. Well, and Well, I mean, Kevin Cobb played about two and a half games as a, as a Cardinal and could throw the ball downfield, but... I mean, well, he you look at could, too, some, couldn't stay off his back. Exactly. You look at somebody at Larry Fitzgerald, too. He's got to be cranked right now because all of a sudden he's had you know his hands on the ball more time probably in the first preseason game than he has all season last year. And it's got to feel good to him to know that he's got somebody that can get him the ball because getting downfield and catching the ball is not the problem. He's got to get somebody to get him the ball and to have the protection for the quarterback so that the quarterback can make plays. Absolutely. And I feel like the biggest thing that could make or break the Cardinals season this year is the running game. And what I mean by that is Ryan Williams. That's what I mean. Because he was so highly touted coming out of college, got hurt in the preseason, got hurt in the preseason in the first two years, and hopefully he's not damaged goods already. Because he's young, he's fast, he's electric, and if they can have somebody to hand the ball off to, Alfonso Smith, can he shows glimpses, but he's not going to lead a team. Uh, they got rid of Lawrence. He was howling, obviously. They got rid of Beanie Wells, who had one good year, but but besides that, he was just more of an injury-prone guy than anything. If Ryan Williams can do something, can maybe even run for eight or 900 yards this season, it would help them so much 
in in balancing the offense. And Michael Floyd's coming into his own, so they have this offensive structure that they didn't have. And with Carson Palmer in the middle of it, it changes everything. Now, the defense was top five in takeaways last year. I believe they were top ten overall defense. If that can stay status quo, they might be able to defend for, for a division title here. Percy Harvin's out in Seattle. He do, we don't know when he's coming back. Uh, uh, Michael Crabtree's out for the foreseeable future in San Francisco. I don't think San Francisco's going to have as good of a year as they did last year. They got rid of the most important player on any football team, so to speak, as the backup quarterback. They do not have an insurance policy with Colin Kaepernick. And if Colin Kaepernick goes down, they're screwed. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because you're right. They've got nobody to fill in if he's get hurt. He and gets you hurt. have to be able to score points in the NFL mm-hmm. now. You can't right. be... Just and, and they're granted San Francisco's defense scored a lot of touchdowns last year. That's not going to happen again. That's almost that, that that's an almost insurmountable hurdle to go over to to beat what they did last year on defense. They don't have much of a special teams. They don't have much. Alex Smith was a great field core, uh, field general where he didn't make many mistakes. He made the throws where he had to. If Vernon if Vernon Davis doesn't get hurt, they you know they have a chance to win the division again. Granted, they have they brought in Nandi Asamoah. They had a million draft picks, but if Frank Gore or Vernon Davis or one of their offensive guys gets hurt, Colin Kaepernick's going to have to do most of it on his own. And if that can't happen, or if he gets hurt as well. Well, Bad things could happen in the Bay Area. That's the thing with all the teams right now. I mean, everything is up for grabs as it is every year. So we've got you know the new guys coming in, the veterans that are that are there, that the teams are counting on in so many ways. Not only in the locker room, but obviously on the field. But all it takes is one injury, two injuries, depending on you know what position they're in, and it can take the whole team down. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's crazy to say this now, but. Arizona might be the most veteran team in the <laughs> NFC West. They certainly have a lot of will, I would think, at this point, that every year they've had practice at trying to reestablish their will for the game and their desire to play because it's, it's there. It's been kind of hiding underneath the table a little bit because every year they've um, had their hopes and dreams dashed. So they've got one more year of expectations of saying maybe this is the year. They've got a new coach with a new style um, and new uh, coaches around him that um, the team seems to be, you know, from the outside looking in, seems to be responding to. So um, that's all got some pluses to it. Yeah, I mean, and look what he did with the gumshoe team of Indianapolis last year. Right, exactly. There was no experience on that team. I mean, you have Dwight Freeney, you have guys on the other side of the ball. But offensively, of Reggie Wayne, who had, a, who had a breakout year last year because he, again, had somebody they could throw him the ball that wasn't Curtis Painter. And... What can he do with, again, one of the most, one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL with Larry Fitzgerald and Carlson Palmer, who can throw the hell out of the ball? You know, we will take, we will take turnovers if they can score points. Right. It's, it's the turnovers that don't, that don't yield points afterwards on, on other drives, where if you turn the ball over, you lose. It doesn't matter if you turn the ball over. I mean, Kurt Warner turned the ball over more than, more than many, many quarterbacks uh, in, in the league when he was playing, especially with Arizona. But he also threw the ball for 350 yards and four touchdowns at times. Right. So what else did he do? Yeah, you'll take the good with the bad here. And it'll be interesting to see with this vertical offense that Bruce Arians brings in, if it'll yield points, if it'll yield wins. Road wins are very important. And it looks like schedule-wise, they don't have a gauntlet of four games on the road in a row. The most they have is two. And each time 
Take week three and week four with New Orleans and Tampa Bay. That might be the toughest on the road stretch that they have because the only other two game road trip they have is Tennessee and Seattle with, with uh, two of the last three games of the season, and they end at home at the end of the season. So, ske- looking at the schedule compared to last year, it looks to be an easier schedule. I mean, that's loosely defined with the division they're in, but it definitely looks like an easier schedule than last year. So, we got to take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk about Johnny Manziel, Johnny Drama, Johnny Football, Johnny whatever the hell you want to call him now. <laughs> Johnny, um, oh my God, have you gotten my autograph yet? Yeah, well, I like that even better. Uh, we'll come back. Deborah DeRee, Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk. We'll be back in about 90 seconds. Well, I took a walk around the world to ease my troubled mind. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. I did want to give a quick shout out to my Uncle Steve. He's going through some medical issues right now. Uh, thinking about you, Uncle Steve. Uh, Ryan, take care of him. Uh, Hopefully, speedy recovery, and I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, healthy recovery, dude. Uh, yeah, well, somebody that's not going to have a healthy recovery, seemingly, is Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Johnny Manziel is popped again, seemingly, for uh, two more incidences of he's, signature He's up to isms. six. Up to six now. Up to six. 4,400 mm-hmm. total is what they counted. I don't know if, how you can put a number on exactly how many signatures you've given, unless you're getting paid per signature or per 1,000 signature or per 100, per 100 signature. These allegations come out. The NCAA doesn't isn't really allowed to investigate unless actual hard evidence is brought to them. They can't investigate the situation. They can monitor him, but if they don't see it come hand to hand, they need hard evidence to be able to actually suspend him. So that might be a loophole that Johnny Menzel will want to live in, dance in, and bathe in at this point. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's getting ridiculous. I'm not surprised anymore. I, I like to make this quick, as Deborah and I were talking about off air. We don't want to talk about this any more than we have to, because this kid is now looking like a punk. And I, I really, I, I never wanted it to become that way because he has the all-American boy look. He has all-American smile. You know, he loves to play football. You can tell. But in the past, in, in the off season, since since his last game, 
It's it's been nothing but bad, and and I'll give him the Miami Heat game. I'll give him the batting practice with the Padres. I'll give him all this stuff that a kid wants to do. That's fine. But when you start uh, having allegations brought against you of breaking the rules and possible suspensions pending, this is when it's time to become an adult fast and get some people around you who can guide you. And isn't that what your parents? If you have exactly. a good support yeah. system, well, obviously his dad is looking for a book deal or something because well, he he threw up so many things that he should have kept within the family when he was interviewed. And that's a whole other issue. I'm not exactly sure what's going on familiarly with that. But but here's a guy, too. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you just because I'm going to interrupt you. Um, here's a guy who, Johnny Menzel, who was you know going through, what, internet classes and those type of things, didn't want to be on campus, didn't want to be you know with all the media and all those type of things, and yet he's doing something like this. You know, I mean, how much more media attention can you draw on yourself than I'm going to go out there and you sign, you know, not one or two, you know, 4,400 or whatever autographs that are out there right now. And it's like, man, you know, it doesn't make sense. There's a disjointed um, approach to your life right now, and that's not a way that you, he's going to be able to have that supreme playtime on the field because he's not part of the team or anything else that he should be part of right now at this young age. Now, the interesting thing is, and I'll bounce this back to you in question form, some of the signatures that he gave or or signed or or whatever you want to call it were right after the BCS championship game this past season. How much of this had to do with the look at me, I won the Heisman, or I'm, I'm the most important player in NCAA football, I'm not in the NCAA championship game, how much of this has to do with the still the look at me aspect where, hey, I'm, I'm doing autographs. I have nothing to do with this game. I mean, I, how much of that is, is just egomaniacal and how much of it is him just wanting to do it for fans and not getting paid, quote unquote? Well, and the doing it for fans, that's an interesting because even when you do it for fans, so to speak, you're still getting some level of significance out of it. And we all enjoy some level of significance, some more than others. And it's all a matter of how do you get it? You know, if a player is out there and you're at fan day and the fans are over there and you go over and out of the goodness of your heart, you're signing autographs because it feels really good to have people say, hey, hey, come over here, come over here, look, I got your jersey on, you know, that type of thing. That's cool. Everybody wins out of that. You know, when you're signing autographs for the uh, – you don't even know who's getting yeah, them. Yeah, like in a room by yourself, which yeah, is a you, stack. Exactly, and you're trying to change your signature and the pens a little bit so they don't all look like they're signed at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different story. And whether you're getting paid now or paid later, because that's the question too, either either one, it's wrong. So it needs to go back to, you know, what is it? What need in him is he trying to feed that isn't being, being fed in other ways? And he needs to find another way to feed that need because we all have human needs. And the whole caveat to this is Kevin Freestad, I believe, I'm sorry if I butchered that name, but uh, he's the one that came out. He's an autograph dealer and he works with... Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, and Chipper Jones, on top of others, these guys sell, or, or these guys have to pay authentications, authentications, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, they have to pay these guys. <laughs> they have to say it's real. Yeah, yeah, thank you. What God, you, what you said. Yeah. Layman's terms. <laughs> they have to pay these companies to authenticate. There you go. Officially authenticate. I'm proud of you, dude. Is that right? Authenticate (laughs) uh, these signatures. So they're paying Mm -hmm. money out of their own pocket to authenticate these signatures Mm -hmm. and they're Where's, there's some sort of dis, – it's disjointed. Right. And who are the ones that are coming after somebody like Johnny Manziel and saying, hey, dude, 
let me let me tell you what a deal could be here. You know, because these are the guys that are praying after a young athlete and saying, "I can make you some money. I can get you, you know, some whatever more publicity," which he says he doesn't seem to want. Uh, you know, what is it that they were saying to him that got him to agree to go against morals and values? and rules and guidelines that he should be following. Well, I, all the rules have not applied to him at the beginning because no, no freshman ever won the Heisman, so that rule's gone because he broke that rule. I mean, that was obviously a good rule to break, but uh, he was on top of the world. He was in the national championship game. I can understand from a 20-year-old standpoint, I want to be recognized here for my accolades, my mm. personal accolades, even though I only had three good games the whole year. Uh, it it, it makes sense, but it also doesn't, and that begs the question what you were talking about earlier. If it's a payment plan that doesn't come into effect, it's like a trust fund mm-hmm. after, he, right. after he leaves it's college, a pro- it's a promise. is that the same? Oh, it still it still breaks the rules, yes. And, I, and, and that's something that if you don't get a monetary advantage over other people with scholarships during the time of college football play, I don't think it's that big of a but deal. But he has a promise of an advantage. And the thing, what's well, interesting, he's be gone next so, year anyways. but listen to this. What's interesting about that, if he, if, if he has promised money when he gets out of college for signatures that he's, you know, autographing now all these things, and he screws up, gets injured, doesn't make it, then what are those worth? You yeah. know, where's the value behind any of that? Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I guess that's fair, but I mean, it, he, he, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's a valid point on the other side of it. Oh, I don't want to talk about Johnny Manziel anymore. Uh, our pool host, really quickly, there's there's been a story that's been leaked out that some idiot said that uh, he saw our pool host using performance-enhancing drugs when he was in St. Louis. Now, I've said since that the Mitchell report, whatever year that was, 2006 or, or whatever it was, uh, that if our pool host gets popped for steroids, I will no longer watch baseball. And he is the only, in my opinion, the only pure thing. I'm going to take Jared Jeter out of that. Oh, the only pure power hitting thing that is still in Major League Baseball. He broke records. He, he's hit. Uh, I think it was it's either. I think he, oh, man. I think it's 20 home runs and 100 RBIs for the first however many years he's been in the league. 12 years or something like that. The record he broke the first 10 years he did that, even his rookie year, and that's never been done before. He's so pure. He's such a pure hitter. He has such a great eye for the ball. He's a, he's a solid first baseman. And if this comes out that he's done this, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Because now it's just everything that everybody says it is. It's steroids, steroids, steroids. If you don't do it, you're not going to make it. If you do it, get away with it for a couple years, get a contract, sit out 50 mm-hmm. games, do it again. I mean, this is... There's so much parity in sports now, especially with Major League Baseball having to do with PEDs, that if he's doing it, I'm out. I'm it's done. It's a great American pastime. But, well, but, not anymore. It's not. Well, it's a new pastime, taking drugs. Well, is know? the new pastime kind of oxymoronical? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but is oxymoronical a word? I'm, I don't, I'm not I don't know, but I don't it's right it up there with authenticity. I, I added an F in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for effect. For fun. The thing, The whole thing with baseball historians – and people of that ilk, and with their problem with steroids, it's not so much that people are doing them. It's more that baseball has built the foundation is records. All that because they have a record for everything. They have stats for everything. everything. Who has yeah. the longest nose hair? They have a they have a record for. 
I think it was Raleigh Fingers. But I mean, it just sounds like it. Wouldn't it be Raleigh Fingers? I mean, that, that just makes it sense. It just fits. It yeah. makes sense, yeah. But you so, got to be able to reach them. If your numbers, if your, uh, if your records get tarnished by people that cheat, the game is lost. And we're holding on for dear life. Bud Selig is holding on for dear life. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. with. I mean, with the A-Rod thing, it's, he's like a cartoon character now. It's like this isn't real life. This is the Truman Show. Like this is this is something totally different than what would ever happen with somebody that didn't have a big name. I mean, you'd be done. You'd be playing in Uruguay right now if you weren't Alex Rodriguez. When I would think that the uh, father son conversations at the dinner table are out. Uh uh, throwing balls in the backyard is a little bit different than it used to be in the past because the kids are going to have a lot more more questions and different questions that they've ever had before. We've got kids of all ages who are ready to rip up, burn, shred their jerseys whenever um, their player comes out as one of the guys who's tainted. Yeah. And how much effect does that really have on kids? I mean, say seven, eight, nine-year-olds that baseball is their sport. They're 5'2". I mean, they're, they're, they're above their, their height uh, uh, average. They, they can throw, they have long arms, like they're going to be a baseball player. Yeah. This is what I aspire to. Oh, wait a minute, maybe not. But it'll yeah. be, yeah, it'll be interesting in 10 or 12 years when they're eligible to come out of high school and play or to go to college for one year, two years and go play. It'll be interesting to see, I mean, Alex Rodriguez might be in a wheelchair by then, which unfortunately, I mean, that's what steroids do. They right. break your body down. I mean, I'd like to see a picture of Barry Bonds now and a picture of Barry Bonds 10 years ago. So now it's, I mean, it, <coughs> pardon me, cough button, um, <laughs> You can kind of attribute it to football in the regard, and I'm going to take cheating away from the football part, but you work out so hard in the NFL and you get thrown away, and Kwame can attest to this, that your body breaks down one way or another. Uh, concussions, knees, elbows, doesn't matter. Your yeah. body your body is Memories, done when you're done pain, playing football. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and it's definitely It's worse. the wear and tear that goes through your body that it's not meant to take. Right, but that's... Purely weightlifting, no performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not. I'm right. not saying that, that. That's on the field hits. Yeah. Such. So that's yeah. that. With baseball, it's the steroids that right. will take your life away from you. Right. It will take your quality of life pretty much completely away. And you know, for glory, sometimes sometimes it's worth it. You know, well, for it's people. instantaneous glory and money. Yeah. So sometimes they make they make a decision, though it's not necessarily an educated decision. It's an emotional decision of, I want the money. I want the fame. I want everything I can get right now. Screw the future. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I may not even be here, so I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, so if you're rich now, say, I mean, uh, Alex Rodriguez is set for life. Say, I mean, it, he's not going to have to pay back any of the money. Mm-hmm. He's, that's, 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 yeah, that's awful. I mean, that's cheating lawsuits, money. Maybe. That's dirty money. Yeah. There's cocaine on that money, so to mm-hmm. speak. So he has all the money in the world. Would you rather be have $200 million liquid in the bank and be in a wheelchair, or have like $40 million in the bank and still maybe playing baseball into your early 40s. No. I mean, it just, it's and just no a decision matter where you that go, people want to, it, Yeah, no matter where you go, your name is attached to that. So how do you have those conversations with friends and family and even the outside world going on any type of uh, radio or TV interview or those type of things? You're always going to be asked questions about it. Absolutely. And, and again, I said this last week, and I'm surprised that I said it, but I did, and I stand by it, that I... Stand by Alex Rodriguez's moxie and his cojones right now. I do. Because if he rolled off into the sunset and retired, uh, you know, it, he wouldn't be in the eye anymore. Well, he would be probably for a couple months, and then he'd be forgotten. Right. I mean, as forgotten as a guy as big as him can be. 
but he's playing. He's playing for his girls. He's playing for his family. He's playing to show that you never back down, even in, even in uh, the face of adversity that you caused. Your middle name's adversity. You, you started this whole thing, but he's not backing down, and he's playing. And he can't even walk anymore. You could tell, like, oh, when he's yeah, running his, around, his body is. He's like, it's like he's a marionette, pain. right? You know, and he barely, when he hit that home run a couple games ago, it barely got over, and you could see with all of his might, he swung that bat. So, well, and what does that do for the team and in the locker room? Again, we've we've kind of touched on that in the past too. That's got to be a very interesting locker room. Yeah, and you know, the Yankees have seen a lot there. They've <laughs> they've seen a lot of different things come through. A lot of different, uh, you know, big-headed athletes, and, you know, that's a kind of a double uh, entendre there. Uh, but, you know, you have guys that are put together to win championships, not necessarily have the camaraderie of a team. And this is just another thing that, that adds to it. And, and, again, Derek Jeter has played baseball his whole career through all of these things, and that's why I think he's going to be the best Yankee ever. He, people are looked at in their, in their era and the things they had to deal with, the competitions they went through, the the, comp- the level of competition they played against, and he has gone straight and narrow for the 19 years that he's been in the league, or 20 years. But how he's much been conversation is had around somebody like him who's doing it right, as opposed to everybody's doing it wrong? If there's how it, much airtime, how much TV time, how it much doesn't whatever. matter. Look at the rings. Look at the I numbers. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying the emphasis is always being put on the wrong thing. Yes, we need to talk about it. Yes, it needs to come to light. At the same time, when we're telling the audience, the children, the whoever, um, look at, look at, look at it of all these things that are going wrong, where's the conversation about look at, look at, look at, at all the players who are doing it right and making it right and it, making the money? It's boring. Mm, you know? shouldn't be. What a, uh, yeah, what a but, shame. Yeah, yeah I but it is. No, I totally understand. It's totally boring. It's a shame. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I mean, it, it's, uh, well, I mean, I think this is the best segue as, anybody, so, as anything. So Jason. Yeah, Jason Duffner. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's just this little doughboy, cute little thing, soul patch I'm not really a fan of, the hair I'm not really a fan of. He's, Shoes. Uh, yeah, he's overweight. I mean, he's he is John Daly without the booze. <laughs> I mean that's and that's it. and oh, I funny, say that are the funny clothes. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. John. I mean that he went off his rocker. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Jason Jason Duffner wins the PGA Championship. He's a guy that shows zero emotion. Uh, he's a guy that just plays the game and and he plays it right. He's a golfer. You know, he doesn't look like a golfer. Jim Furyk's the 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 stencil of a golfer, in right. my opinion, yes. except for the swing. I and mean, when he swings, that's the Jim, Jim Furyk swing. It's Jim Furyk with the Freddie Couple swing as a golfer. <laughs> uh, Jason Duffner blew a five shot lead with four holes to play two years ago in Atlanta in the PGA turn in the PGA Championship. Lost Keegan Bradley, one of his best friends, mm-hmm. in a playoff. And how fitting it is that Keegan Bradley's there to give him a hug right. after after he walks off the 18 to sign his scorecard. And it made me think they hugged it out, bro style. They're like, you know what? Good for you. Like that's what friendship is. Right. You know, in sports, it's lost a lot, especially in golf, because you're playing against specific people right. that you may have beers with afterwards, but you want to beat on the uh, on the uh, on the field on the course. On the course yeah. Uh, during other grass. Yeah. Well, and uh, it's interesting that you never see Tiger do that. You never see Phil do that. You never see really anybody do that. And when I brought this up in the beginning of the show. Jason Duffner wins. Yes, that's great. He grabbed his wife's caboose. Great. You, you can. That's fine. I mean, that's the main story for me in this is that this new young breed of golfers, they're they're a brotherhood that hasn't really been shown in golf 
in 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 history. You have the you have the three headed monster of Gary Player, uh, Jack Nicholas, and Arnie. You have Sam Snead, Bobby Jones. You have people before them, uh, Ben Hogan, and then you have Tiger Woods. You have Phil Mickelson. You have you know all the guys in the middle, Freddie Couples, Greg Norman. You have these guys that have that have uh, risen above the game, but you've never really had a brotherhood of guys that are the same age that really were that really came in came onto the PGA Tour with their tour card wanting to beat Tiger Woods, being scared of Tiger Woods, being scared of Phil Mickelson, and now... And then getting over it. And now yeah. they're starting to rise to the top. Jason Day, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Jason Duffner, Webb Simpson, Keegan Bradley, all these guys that finally are starting to break through in major championships. When in, when Tiger was in the final final uh, pairing with one of them, most of them would fold. Justin Rose always folded. Jason Day still folds, but he's there. He finished second in the Masters and in the U.S. Open, I believe second or third. And now it's it's starting to have a there starts to be starting to be a new breed of golfer. That actually roots for their friends, right? They and root also, for, yeah. There's a camaraderie at that age group too. That's a different age group, and that makes a difference in how they respond to each other. It's almost like the latchkey kids, you know, that they were used to having to take care of each other as they're coming up. Yeah. Had to fight it out through Q school in order to see who was going to make it and who wasn't, and then root for the other guy, knowing that it wasn't taking away anything from themselves if somebody else made it. Instead, they use that as, well, let me stand on your shoulders until I make it, and then you can stand on mine again the next time through. I think the one thing, too, about, uh, well, two things. One, I think as an audience, you know, and a gallery that's watching golf, they're excited to see these guys come up as they continue to be disappointed in some of the others that aren't making it. And I think as a group, we're looking for consistency. Is there ever going to be another breakout player who's going to consistently Win and win again and win again because we haven't had that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Tiger used to be the guy. We could depend on Tiger to give us a thrill. We don't know who to depend on now. It makes golf interesting, but we don't have the consistency of knowing who do we want to root for, either as the underdog that we know has got the chance to make it because they've been fairly consistent in coming up or the one that consistently can close it out and we're going, yeah, that's that's who I want to be. I want to be that one who can you know, get to the end and really close this puppy down. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it'll get to the point, if things continue on this trend, the leaderboards, the stack leaderboards, quote-unquote, five years ago, if it wasn't Phil and Tiger, I, I hope it's one of them. <laughs> You know, I, f- I hope it's one of them. And Freddie Couples made a little quick runs. Tom Watson made a run a few years ago and missed a putt to win uh, to win the uh, British Open, I believe, or the mm-hmm. Open, as we call mm-hmm. it. Uh, now, every leaderboard is stacked. Oh you yeah, you have twenty golfers that could win at any given time. Any, I mean, what is it? Nineteen majors, I believe. There's only been two repeat champions. I think uh, mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson has won two out of the last 19 majors, and, and I have to check on the other one. But it's been there have been winners. There's been no consecutive winners, and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. Well, it is. It's interesting to watch <clears throat> and to see these guys be able to come up and not have the fear of some of the other players, like you say, that they've had in the past with a Phil Mickelson, with a Tiger Woods type of thing, that they know that they're beatable. So if they're beatable, that means that I can win. And if I can win, then it's all on my shoulders to, you know, how am I going to keep control and be able to manage those last nine holes? Because those are the important ones. Now we've got the question with somebody like Jason Duffer is now what is he going to do? Because now we've got the expectations are a lot greater. He's out doing TV shows. I mean, he even did the Howard Stern show, mm-hmm. you know, and good for him. He should take advantage of all that, see how many uh, endorsement deals he can get. Now's the time to make the money. But the question is, now it goes back to, 
how are you going to manage that and balance that with being able to play golf at that high level? Yeah, I, I think he's about as even keel as you can get. Uh, he's he's a he's a he's a married man. He's uh, he, so I, was Tiger. You no, know, I God, right <laughs> when I said that, I'm like, well, well yeah, it was a mistake. Tee off that one. No, but he's you know he seems just very even keeled and not robotic like Tiger was. Seems very even keeled, very genuine, very soft spoken, man of few words. He even said in his when he was speaking after he got the trophy, he's like, my life's going to change. Right, and and he knows and. Well, I, knowing it and being able to manage it are two different things, I, and I hope that he is smart enough and has enough. Again, it goes back to what's your unit around you, or who are the people but around 35. you. he's 35. It's different. I mm. think it's different. If, if he was 22 or 23, maybe it'd be different. He, even, he, he picked up golf way later in life than these other kids. Yeah, as opposed to McElroy. Yeah, mm. so, I mean, it's... I don't think that he's going to care what his expectations, what other people's expectations are of him. He's going to go. He's going to get his paycheck. If he wins some majors, he's still going. To, he's not going to change anything. If he can hit the ball as straight as he did on Sunday, he's going to win a lot of majors. <laughs> oh yeah, you no, know, and he, he was up close and personal with the hole a lot. His yeah. putting has always been a little bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. He gets a hot putter and then he gets a really, really cold putter, and he, he three putts all day. You know, and and he does, and he knows that. But if he can go fairways and greens and hit the ball again as straight as he did, mm. he didn't really make he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't make any mistakes on the back nine. I think he bogeyed eighteen, but it didn't matter at that point. But it was a comeback, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. right. He went. He, he got a couple birdies early, and then he just maintained that lead and watched Jim Furyk falter. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. However, everything that I've just said, Tiger Woods is still the most important person in golf. So until that ends. People are really that don't watch golf are only really going to know who Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are, and then if you they continue to watch golf, you continue to see these kids finishing top tens, and I call them kids. I mean, they're a lot of them aren't even thirty right. or 30, 31, 32. If they continue to finish in top tens and continue to win majors sporadically, people will learn their names, but they don't know their names now. Nobody right, knows exactly. who Jason Duffner is. Right. He you, didn't you, get you that. You see roar. him on the street, and you'd never know who right. he was. He didn't yeah. get that roar after winning the tournament. Right. So that the Tiger would get that that electric, just earthquake roar that he would get, Phil gets. You know, but they've earned that at this point. Right. So it'll it'll really be interesting to see what happens in the future. Uh, I hope that I mean with with the top ten. It was it was great. Dustin Johnson still hasn't bro- really broken through yet, and he's he had a four shot lead, I think, at Pebble Beach, and and he he went plus seven over three holes, and he was done uh, when on Sunday uh, years back. You know, Dustin Johnson's always there. Uh, it's Kevin Streelman is actually a guy I work with is is really close with him. They grew up in Montana. <laughs> Kevin Streelman's a top ten FedEx Cup player. Uh, it I, I'm excited for the FedEx Cup. I'm really excited this year because really anybody can win. Yeah, the possibilities are there, so it'll be interesting to watch and see who does come out of the Thursday-Friday um, and comes into Saturday strong and then can actually finish it up on Sunday because it's the finishing up on Sunday that really matters. And this would be the ultimate poetic justice for Tiger Woods just to come in and win the FedEx Cup because <laughs> th- it's not a major. Right. There's no stress on him at all. You know, There's zero stress. There's zero, zero, zero stress for really anybody of his ilk. What's what's ten million dollars over ten years for Tiger? Right. You know, it's not much, but this is a pride thing. This isn't. There's no major okay. pressure here. This is a pride thing for him. Well, and in reality, I think it's a pride thing for him every single week when he goes out there because every week that he has a week like this last weekend, um, that's got to hurt. Yeah. That's got to hurt. I don't care what he says, and it's not the financial thing. This is the performance part of him that's used to doing really, really well and hasn't. 
So it's the expectations he has of himself that he's not meeting right now, no matter well, what the group says. But he won two weeks says. ago. Oh, understand. Understand. But what did you do lately? I mean, it's just like sports in any type of thing. It's what did you do lately? And yeah, is he a great golfer? There is absolutely no doubt he's a great golfer. I'm talking about the internal expectations that people have when they've been great and have continued to be great, and then all of a sudden they start to uh, plateau or falter. Yeah, well, I think Father Time's catching up to him. Yeah. And would it be... And I don't necessarily believe this. We have two minutes till break, uh, and then we'll get down and dirty with Deborah on the other side of the break. Would it be crazy to think that he used some sort of performance-enhancing drug with how his body after 2008? Well, because I mean, he he won the U.S. Open on on zero knee on one knee, right? And with with that, because I used to work at the Lodge Dory Binds, I know what that rough looked like, and he was hitting balls out of the rough. With one knee, and his torque right. knee was bone on bone. Right. Okay, I understand that that will take a while to rehab. But would it be crazy to think, and I want about a 30-second answer, would it be crazy to think that he took some sort of performance-enhancing drug or human growth hormone? I don't think it's crazy to think. I, I would bet that he did not. And, and so would I. Yeah. I mean, so would I, but... Anything is possible nowadays. I mean, you know, our... Our hopes and dreams about you know what a player should be have been tainted by so many different players in so many different sports. Anything is possible. I don't think he did. Yeah, and and, and I and you know it, with how his body's kind of broken down, mm-hmm. uh, it could just be age. You know, with golf, I mean, he's played golf since he was three years old. So I mean, I understand that golf. If I went out and played mm-hmm. golf right now, I wouldn't be able to walk for a week. Like but I understand it torques your body right. a lot, and you it have hips, to work out legs, specific feet, muscles. Yeah. Right. To build those up so the torque doesn't make you fall over when you when you drive a ball. Right. I understand that. But there's something off with him, and I feel like there's been enough time. Enough time has gone by to where his mental game should be back. Oh, absolutely you should know? be back. So there's yeah. something amiss. And there's something – there's some sort of – there's a missing link with, with where he was and where he should be now. And now the expectations are greater because, yes, th- you have no excuses anymore. Well, and I tend to wonder with Tiger if he is to a point that – over the last several years, again, going back to ever since his father died, he doesn't know who to depend on. I don't know if he has that one person that he could go to that would really give him advice or tell him no um, or help him, you know, just listen to him at a level that he may need to be listened to um, and adjust whatever he's thinking, feeling and believing right now. I feel like it's on him now. I think so, too. I think, I think it's on him, everything. but he's not been taught I think over the years he's depended on his father because his father has made him was made the father made himself meaning the father the one the go-to guy. Yeah. So I don't know that the father ever taught the son how to handle these type of situations on his own. Yeah, it's like Dexter's dad. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so I mean that yeah. makes yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I I, yeah. I, I do Showtime terms. Yeah, you know, I, I hear it. Yeah, Showtime I know Dexter. metaphors. I know Dexter. <laughs> okay, uh, we got to take <laughs> a break. Tight. Down and dirty with Deborah on the other side of the break. Alex Clancy, Kwame uh, Kwame Lasseter is not in today, but Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you You can try and read my lyrics off of this paper before I lay them. But you won't take the sting out these words before I say them. Because ain't no way I'm going to let you stop me from causing mayhem. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Welcome back to Carmen Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Gone through a lot of stuff today. Um, hope it wasn't too fast. We're trying to make as much of our time as we possibly can, but now it's time for Down and Dirty with Deborah. Deborah Debris. And Down and Dirty with Deborah. I want to talk this week about uh, an experience I had with a college football player that I'm working with and his father. Uh, whenever I was talking to the player, and we were talking over the phone, and I was asking him about his practice and, of course, the game, what's going right, what's not going right, you know, how are things. And he was explaining practice to me, and I always break down, you know, what's working, what's not working, how can we leverage what's working, and how do we change what's not working in some way, whether that's mental, emotional, or physical. And he was talking about um, uh, practicing and that whenever he makes a mistake, his father, who's out there working with him, um, would ask him questions, of course, they're um, emotional questions, of, well, what did you do wrong? And the minute I heard it, I went, oh, shit, we got a problem here. Because what I teach my players is the question that you ask yourself, your brain is going to answer. Your brain is a problem-solving machine. So if you ask yourself, what did you do wrong, the brain will give you all the things that you did wrong. The problem when you do that and it becomes a repetitive habit, then what sticks in your mind is all the things to do wrong. So now the opportunity for that to happen on the field goes way up, especially when you're under stress. So because I teach my players to ask themselves a question more like, well, what are you going to do right the next time in order to improve that? 
Now you get answers of all the things you're going to change, all the things that you're going to do right, because the player knows the answer. They know how to play their position. There's no doubt about that, and this is a really high-level player. Um, so whenever I was talking to my player, I asked him, I said, well, what's your relationship like with your dad? Is this something you could say, hey, dad, you know, I need you to switch how you're you know, working with me because his dad really cares about his kid. Kid cares about his dad. They love each other. They're working together really, really well. So this isn't a, a negative experience. This is just an adjustment, an upgrade. Um, he said, yeah, I've got that relationship. And I could hear a tone in his voice. And I said, all right. I said, here's the thing. Are you all right if I call your dad and talk to him about this? And he said, oh, yeah, that'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, all right, well, with your permission, I'll do that because everything's confidential. So I got his dad on the phone, sent him a tech, or sent him a uh, email, said, you know, can we talk? Uh, set it up that it was, you know, going to be a positive type phone call. His dad, luckily, was one of those fathers that was very open to be coaching. His end result is making sure that his son gets the best possible um, uh, training that he can, both uh, technically and strength conditioning, as well as the mental and emotional training. So I was able to talk to his coach, uh, talk to um, uh, my player's father about how he can help coach his son during those practice sessions when the son is practicing with the father, and how the father could do a couple things. Number one is again, like I mentioned earlier, when there is a mistake. And there's going to be ask that question differently, not what did you do wrong, son, but what are you going to do different the next time? Now, I'm not talking about getting soft and weak and, you know, patting them on the back and it'll be okay and it's not a problem. Not that. I'm talking about asking a question with some power that says, all right, so what are you going to do different the next time? How are you going to make that play better the next time? You know, what is it that we can do to improve that the next time? And get those answers back. Let the kid repeat it out loud because the kid, whether he's doing it in his own mind when he's by himself or he's doing it with his father, when he starts repeating out loud specifically and exactly what to do right, the brain is picking that up as an automatic pattern. And now when he's under stress... And the brain under stress will start to um, start to go cloudy. Um, it'll go. The brain will then go back to automatic patterns that it already knows. So then it'll go back to a pattern that it knows, which is those repeated words of "Here's what you do when you do it right." Um, the other thing we talked about is the praising in detail. Whether it's the player to himself, which I teach my NFL guys, my golfers, as well as my college guys how to praise themselves specifically and exactly. When you do a play that's really good, yes, pump it up, pump the fist. You know, my golfers, they have a party in their head because they can't, you know, jump up and down and pat butts and all that kind of stuff out on the golf course without it ending up on YouTube. So what they do is they uh, have a party in their head. They have a way of celebrating very quickly. It only takes seconds specifically and exactly what they did right so they can praise themselves. I've got one golfer that whenever he swings and he has a really good shot, he taps his back toe uh, because he's in that stance already. Another golfer clicks his fingers, and that's snapping that in, that, yeah, I did that right. Football players might, you know, Tiger pumps his fist. Football players can pump their fist. They can, you know, hit their um, hit their chest. They can do, you know, a lot of different things that just from a physical standpoint locks it in with the emotion, with the words. That means that repetitive pattern is there to play, uh, are there to call on under stressful situations. The last thing we talked about was, um, this particular player, I do the same thing with golfers uh, as I do with uh, uh, kickers, punters, and snappers, is they tend to 
repeat a lot. They repeat, repeat, repeat. If they're kicking, 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 they might kick at 60 yards, 50 yards, 40 yards type of thing in order to practice their kicks. <clears throat> the problem that I have, whether it's a golfer, kicker, snapper, punter, those type of situations, is if you're going for how many can I do in a certain period of time, and then look at your percentages, you're really doing it backwards. Because again, what you're going to have is make it, make it, miss, make it, make it, miss, 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 make it, miss, make it, miss type of thing. The brain doesn't know what to do with all that. Instead, I tell them to slow it down and have a lot more really good plays, whether you're kick your punting, snapping, putting, driving, whatever it might be, slow it down, make it right, go through your whole pre-shot or pre-play routine and do it right and then snap it in with those words of praise. Um, and when you do that, then your opportunity and your chances, your statistics of doing it right each and every time under stress go way, way up. That's good. Yourclearedge.com, Deborah Debris. I, when you started that out, I was thinking, well, that's kind of babying the the player by giving them praise and I um I, my dad coached me all the way through you know I was like thirteen or fourteen when I went to seventh grade uh, and I got the other one I got the you know the uh, the the coach the football coach kind of thing even though it was right. basketball and that helped me I mean in the long run it helped me but I understand and we've talked about this ad nauseum afterwards like how it's uh it, it, he didn't know what to do, like how to do what you just said. Right. And I didn't know how to ask him, and I didn't even know that I wanted him to do what you just said. And that's just how I learned, and that's how I mo- I got motivated to do it. Was I don't want that to happen again. And it wasn't. It wasn't awful, but I mean, like it was. Well, just- well we haven't been taught. That's the same thing I told the the father. He's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong. And I said, no, you did it. You did it in a way that you know how to do it at the time. Yeah. You know, now you have a different way, an upgraded way to do it that's even more beneficial. So now you have new knowledge in order to work from. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just – it's interesting how the it it, uh, it progresses, especially with – I mean, it's a different sport. It's a totally different – totally different, I'm sure uh, – uh, a relationship, father-son. I mean, every father-son relationship is a little different. So it was just interesting that some things work for people, and then that is exactly what you're what you're preaching now is. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because it, it still holds people accountable, but it's not babying them at the same absolutely. time. Absolutely, and it is doing it with a lot of power, a lot of emotion, and those type of things. Even my players, whenever I tell them to um, to celebrate, to lock it in, those type of things, I'm not saying, "Oh man, did I do a good job? Oh, I did so good." Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to work because there's no emotion and it's bullshit. I mean, it just, it sounds like bullshit in your head. Totally. You need to be able to lock it in with freaking A, you know, look what I did and, you know, really power it up and lock it in that way with a lot of emotion. Oh, we got to go. Uh, about 25 seconds, Deborah. It's been fun. It's been uh, real as will be back next week. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris, Kwame Lasser, Sports Talk. We will see you guys next week. for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.